either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. We are here with our disappointing Oscar scorecard and some new movies to talk about. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And yeah, Oscars on Sunday. We talked a little bit about our, this past Sunday, and we talked a little bit last week on the podcast about our predictions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all in all, it's one of those cases where we were wrong on some big awards, but we were happy to be wrong. Oh, we were thrilled. Yeah. We love Parasite. Loved we had it, it as our, our list of the best films of 2019. It sat at the top. We just didn't think it was going to win because historically, this, right. You know, no foreign language film ever has, so this is the first time and we were thrilled. Right, we were playing the odds, but we did say that we thought it had a better chance than probably any foreign language film that we could remember. And, you know, and we did think that Roma had a chance. Which last was year. which was also our favorite film right. uh, from last year, but uh, yeah, congratulations to uh, Bong Joon Ho and the movie. So we missed that. We missed director, and then we missed adapted screenplay. We did, although again, so we 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 thought Greta Gerwig would win, and we thought that she should win for Little Women. But we yeah. also said we thought that Taika Waititi had a good shot, and I loved, I loved Jojo Rabbit, and I certainly don't begrudge him having won that because I thought, yeah, you did like it better than I did. I still think Little Women was the best adapted screenplay that I saw last year. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but congratulations to all the winners. And, you know, all in all, I thought the show was pretty entertaining. Uh, yeah, really. I did, too. Uh, yeah, I did, too. Maya Rudolph and Kristen, Kristen Wiig. Wiig, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were hilarious. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought, on the whole, it was uh, it moved pretty quickly. I didn't see a lot of dead spots. I was happy with yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, not every joke landed, but uh, a lot of them did. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, a lot of people were curious about the, the placement of the Eminem performance, but everybody was digging the song. Uh, oh yeah, you know, I so, thought that was funny yeah. too because when they yeah when they showed the crowd you yeah. know I guess I wouldn't have guessed that 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 song would just bridge the gap between yeah. youngsters and elders. I mean everybody in the crowd was like they seemed to really dig it. Yeah, I mean it was kind of sandwiched in there, but at the same time they were giving credit to some some movie music of old, so it yeah. wasn't completely no. out of place. But <laughs> but anyway, all in all, I thought it was a pretty good uh, presentation and uh, and congratulations to all the winners. And that is so great for Parasite. Yes, and as we are not the first to say, I think I hope. It spurs a lot of people to look up his back catalog. <gasps> yes, you should see everything. There's so everything. much great stuff there. Oh, so, so good. So much great stuff. But let's focus on this week because now, I guess, if last week was the movie Super Bowl, now we start a brand new season. And we'll start with a series of intertwining love stories set in the past and in the present. No, it's not Nicholas Sparks. It's not The Notebook. It's The Photograph. I used to understand why she couldn't tell me about her life while she was alive. Maybe she thought it would help you look at her in another way. Hey, I'm Michael Block from the Republic. I'm doing a story about your mom. How's your article coming? To be honest, I was a little distracted. So I kept running back in my mind how you might respond to me asking you for a drink. So that was you asking me? In, in my mind, it wasn't that forward. You know what I mean? It was more smoother than, than that. I'm terrible at first date. I just don't know whether to be vulnerable, aloof, funny. Why don't you just be yourself? What? I'm wondering if it's not too early in the night to kiss you. It wasn't too early. Oh, I see. (laughs) (laughs) Because that does sound like sort of a Nicholas Sparks setup. Well, one of the... All you need is some kissing in the rain and we're on the right path. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When the photograph doesn't work, it's when it reminds me of a Nicholas Sparks film. 
It's never as predictable. It's never as schmaltzy. It's never as obvious when his heartstring. If you can't tell, I am not a fan of Nicholas Sparks films. Nor am I. <laughs> yeah. But there are times where it kind of does lead you down that direction. So it's it's Issa Rae, and she's a an art curator in New York City, and her mother has just died. And she's uh, dealing with kind of grief and going through her mother's things. And one of the things that her mother leaves her is this incredibly long handwritten letter, which she is reading kind of throughout the film. And what the letter does is flash us back to the 80s in Louisiana when her mom leaves small town Louisiana to head to New York City to try to become a photographer. And then that, so that sets you up with the two female leads in these love stories. And then uh, Lakeith Stanfield plays a reporter who's kind of sort of covering the hometown of Issa Rae's character's mother. So he meets Isaac, who was the love interest of the 80s. Anyway, it's actually quite convoluted how any of these four people kind of know each other, but that's how they set up the two love stories, the one that takes place in the 80s and the one that takes place present day. There's a lot sort of going on for it. All of the performances are pretty solid, uh, especially the supporting characters, Rob Morgan in particular, but the, the the people who play all of the sort of characters in the 80s storyline really strong. And Lakeith Stanfield also does a really good job. It, weirdly enough, I'm a very big fan of Issa Rae. She, she feels a little out of step in a drama. During the moments where she gets to smile and sort of be awkward, it's sort of a little, but there's no comedy at all in this movie. And so I just feel like she's she doesn't seem completely comfortable here. She looks gorgeous, as does the film. The film looks yeah. beautiful. And Lakeith Stanfield is really, really good in everything. And we were just reminded with this film that he played Snoop Dogg in Straight Outta Compton. Right. I, I had completely forgotten that. Because, of course, <laughs> I mean, we've seen, you know, uh, Crown Heights was an early one that we thought he was yeah. great in. Uh-huh. And and then, obviously, right, um, Get, Get Out. out. Uh-huh. Sorry to bother you. I mean, he's he's very, very oh, good. Yeah. I had complete, yeah, you said, <laughs> I totally forgot that he was new. But he was great in that. And he's good in this. And he has a very natural chemistry. I just feel like there are a few things that the, the, the movie is it's sort of unclear in a lot of ways and it's it rushes everything so it sets these two different romances in motion and then just rushes through both of them so neither one feels very earned and then of course it's a romance it's just a it's a romantic drama so there's always that last minute you know are they going to get together or not going to get together and the whole thing feels so low stakes it's like ugh what if they do what if they don't you know <laughs> so it's a i mean it's not a bad film it really isn't it just uh, it just i don't know it doesn't have a lot of sort of well heart so this is writer director Stella McGee who you may know for probably her biggest one so far is that everything everything yeah and so yeah if you're looking for some romance uh, this Valentine's Day, this would be the one, as you mentioned, not only for the story, but for how it looks. Yeah, it looks good. You know, they look good. Issa Rae looks gorgeous. All of the rooms and the way it's lit. I mean, it's a very romantic film. It really is. I just felt like there wasn't enough of a payoff, and neither of the romances were given, I thought, a- enough depth to really sort of blossom. Next up is Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus in a remake of a foreign film from just a few years ago. Barely escaping an avalanche during a family ski vacation in the Alps, a married couple is thrown into disarray as they are forced to reevaluate their lives and how they feel about each other. It's downhill. Is that okay? Yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you. 
it looked like it was gonna kill us. For a and moment. the kids were screaming because it felt like we were gonna die. Pete? Wow. And I look over at Pete, and he had grabbed his phone. Pete left us. I didn't leave you to be buried. I'm gonna win. I ran to get help. Yes, I'm gonna win. That's not what happened. And I choose to survive. I love my family. Every day is all we have! How could I have run away in ski boots? What? Can you run in ski boots? Not very well. Boom. Exactly. Regardless, I wouldn't leave my family to die. That's boom. This is the Americanized version of a movie called Force Majeure from 2014, I, think I believe. So. It was writer-director Ruben Ostlund, a Swedish a Swedish filmmaker, and we just loved that uh, movie so much. It was so incredible. Much. It was so amazing. And it's one of those films where you're, I mean, you're impressed the entire film through, and then the final act is just Brilliant, breathtaking, you know, and even then, it did seem like a movie. I'm not surprised it's getting an, a, an English language, an American remake. I'm really not. And it's uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus and Will Ferrell, and Julia is also one of the producers. Right. The uh, writer directors, the co-writers, co-directors are Nat Faxon and Jim Rash, and you probably, especially Nat Faxon, he's done some acting roles over the years. You oh, might yeah, you know, recognize know him. But they also are Oscar winners. They won Oscars for helping to write the screenplay for The Descendants. Right, and then you might have remembered for, from a couple of years ago, they wrote and directed a film we both like very much called The Way, Way Back. Right, right. So uh, they're taking this over, and anytime you're doing this, especially when the foreign film you're remaking is just a few years old, you kind of have to pick... What are you going to do? Are you going to just remake, basically, the other filmmaker's movie and put American people in? Or are you going to try to give it your own vision? And mm-hmm. I think, to their credit, they choose the latter. Yeah. They do take the basic catalyst and then make enough changes to try to give it their own vision. And unfortunately, it, when you're dealing with such a great movie that you're working from, it, in this case, it doesn't quite measure up. But it has some things about it. Um at the top are the two stars because the catalyst of the movie does stay the same. They're on the they're on vacation. Uh, they're in Austria, and there's this there's this I guess you'd call it like, like a planned snow release. Yeah, you uh, hear these booms all the yeah. time, and it's where they just sort of knock out uh, loose snow yeah. from the mountains. So they are out there with their two uh, sons eating on the veranda, whatever you'd call that, uh, outdoor porch or whatever, and they think this snow and this avalanche is coming right for them. And it's, it's not just them. There's other people out there that seem startled as well. But anyway, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, she, Billy, grabs her kids in fear where Pete, uh, and that's Will Ferrell, grabs his phone and takes off running. And so then when it becomes clear that it's just a, a false alarm, no, no problem, just brush the snow off, well, then Billy looks at Pete in a whole new way. And he tries, he's, he immediately is trying to revise history right. about what really happened. And that's the crux of the film. And, you know, in the first one, in Force Majeure, it was really an almost clinical breakdown of societal assumptions and the lies we tell ourselves and and how we act because we think people are going to act this way. And part of that was done through this other couple. There's another couple that in, in the original movie was the main B story. And they get involved, they hear the story, and then they start thinking, just as we do in watching it, well, what would we do in that situation? And they, and this other couple starts bringing it back to their lives. Right. And I thought that really bolstered the f- first film. In this one, Faxon and Rash kind of put that 
other couple. They're in the movie, but they're put on the back burner. And instead, the B story becomes this wild hotel concierge who likes to live on the wild side. And that's kind of zany, and I don't think it really adds that much to the movie. I just don't think it's an even trade. Yes, I agree with you. I think that they really soften. And in a way, I think, so Force Majeure is an incredibly dark comedy. It is, yeah. This one is a much, it's not It's not a Will Ferrell comedy. No. It is not a laugh-out-loud belly laugh comedy, but it's a much lighter touch comedy than the than the original film. Yeah. And part of that is through this concierge, Miranda Otto, who's, who is actually pretty funny. Yeah, she is. But I think that you're right that in giving the other couple considerably less screen time, they're really just a vehicle for the main couple to examine their own lives. That's really more of, of the what they serve. It definitely lessens the overall impact of the film. Yeah, it's in a weird middle ground between it's a little too too light for a drama and too serious for a comedy. It's, it's kind of a weird line that it's trying to toe, and it doesn't always do it successfully. But Farrell is just in his comfort zone as just a big, dumb goof trying to come to grips with himself mm-hmm. and his, and what he did. and But the reason to see this movie, really, let's be honest, is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She's brilliant. She is fantastic. Yeah, she is. Uh, she clearly, as being a producer, has a passion for this for this project and wanted to, uh, wanted, clearly wanted to be one of the, the uh, people spearheading it. And she's, you know, if, in case we've been asleep the last few decades, she is a treasure. Oh, my God. She just is. She really is. And, and one of the things that you and I were saying is that so much of what she accomplishes on screen, she does without lines. Yeah. It's not that she doesn't have dialogue. She has plenty of dialogue, but so much of the character develop is just when you watch how she is responding in her expressions to a situation. It's brilliant. Yeah, because Billy, her character, is angry, she's hurt, she's confused, and she wants to deal with it, and she just can't believe he's not dealing with the huge elephant in the room. Look what you did. Yeah. And he tries through again through this couple to just all oh, just pass on no that's not what really happened right, right. and really this and so that's the dissection that the the first movie force majeure i think does a lot better and yeah. also if you've seen the first one it, it reminded me of another american remake from a few years ago secret in their eyes which is a remake of the oscar winning movie the secret in their eyes and if you've seen both of those both of the original films you're thinking the whole time okay We've got a humdinger of an ending to right, deal right, with. Right. How are we going to deal with it this time? And just like Secret in Their Eyes, this movie changes it enough to just cut the knees out of it. Yes, 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 it does. It's um, because in the original movie, the ending it felt it felt organic, it, it felt did. natural. Like yeah. okay, that could happen, but it made you rethink everything, everything, everything you just saw. Yes, and and the entire conversation you'd been having in your head with, boy, what would I do? Mm-hmm. And boy, he was in the wrong, or maybe right, he right. wasn't in the oh, wrong. Yeah. And this time, it's kind of the same. Something, I suppose, similar happens. Oh, but, but so much lighter. So, so yeah. much lighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could it could technically lead you down the road to the conclusion of the first one, but it's not such. It's not a stunner no, like it, the first no, one is. No, it definitely is. isn't. So it's really, I, I would say, if you haven't seen Force Majeure and mm-hmm. you want to see you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus especially, this, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's no. perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But boy, if then after that, go back and find Force Majeure. Yeah. Uh, that is just fantastic and done uh, really in a, the whole thing is done much more in a much more insightful and compelling way. Yeah. Where this one is just, I guess, pleasant, I guess. Yeah, I, I the first one, much more biting. Much more biting and much more likely to really stick with you, mm-hmm. especially that ending. And that is Downhill. 
Next up, one for the family. After discovering a small, blue, fast hedgehog, a small-town police officer must help it defeat an evil genius who wants to do experiments on it. It's Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm Sonic, a little ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. On my planet, people were always after my powers. So I came to yours. hiding out in my garage. They're coming for me. If they steal my power, they could conquer the universe. You have to help me. No, I don't. Please, it's life or death. Supersonic. Good morning, my rural chum. Mr. Dr. Robotnik. Whatever this creature is, I'm going to uncover the source of its power. Yeah, hey. Hey. Uh oh. Let's go. Here comes the boom. I have no idea. Oh, give me a big fat break! You may remember a few months back where they launched the early press for this and fans of the video game balked at the way the CGI had reimagined the hedgehog. And uh, we didn't sort of at that point unprecedented, although almost widely followed move. They just gutted it, and started over with new CGI. Yeah, that was even before we got into the horrors of the cats That's CGI. That's right, or the renaming of the, uh, right. of the Harley Quinn movie. <laughs> yeah, so, but this time he's back, he's redone, He's re- the look is fine to me. Yeah. But, you know, neither one of us come to this with any sort of gaming backstory or, or, or nostalgia or, you know, or nostalgia for it. It, it started, the, the original game started as a as a response by Sega to uh, Donkey Kong that was so popular. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to have their own franchise, and they, they got one with Sonic the Hedgehog. So uh, fast forward, now we've got the movie version. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people do have a lot of nostalgia for it. And, of course, the kids uh, will like the little blue fast hedgehog. But in the mountain of, I don't know how big a mountain it is, there's been a few film adaptations of video games. Well, hell, there's a mountain of just Pokemon movies. Ah, boy, don't we know it. And <laughs> it's not a good mountain uh, at all. And this one is certainly not great, but it somehow comes out to be one of the better ones. As Sonic, the one animated part to this film, and he's voiced by actor Ben Schwartz, he's a... I had to learn more, actually, about this character, because, again, we didn't know. We didn't play the game. He uses these rings to hop between worlds, and he's been... He's hopped into Earth, and he's been living pretty happily, but lonely. He's kind of considers himself part of the family of this uh, small-town sheriff, James Marsden, and his wife, Tika Sumter, and they're in Montana. And so he just kind of watches them from the, from the uh, window, and when they watch TV, he watches TV and things like that, although he, he, he needs to make sure no one sees him, since he is technically an alien. But things happen, and he gets found out by uh, James Marsden, and then a convoluted road trip begins where uh, they are on the run from the evil Dr. Robotnik, who's also known as Eggman. That's who he's. That's how he's called in in the uh, in the uh, video game. So anyway, and that is Jim Carrey in all his rubber faced glory, and you know he does. He's got that the histrionics on full go because that's what Jim Carrey does. Mm-hmm. And some of them are funny. I mean, we know the Jim Carrey shtick, but the really sad fact is the rest of the movie is it's not as exaggerated as Jim Carrey, but the characters are pretty much exaggerated. I mean, the script is very, very surface level. Everything is explained over and over. And I get it for the kids in the audience. Sure. All right, that might be that might be fine. It's actually the big screen debut for director Jeff Fowler, and it kind of feels like it. Mm. 
for the adults, it's going to feel like a kid's movie and not really an engaging one either. And it's not that funny. I mean, there are a couple of gags to pop culture where they poke fun at Vin Diesel or whoever that, you know, gave you a little a little uh, smile here and there. But overall, the best things about it is it has a good pace. <laughs> it doesn't really feel like it's too laborious. But at the same time, it's not really, it's not, even though it got to a, to a similar start as Cats did, with the fans, it's certainly not that bad at all. No, but it's no. really not memorable in any way. Not too memorably bad, and not too memorably good. I think uh, for the families that already have, and I've, I know some. I've talked to some oh, sure. uh, this weekend that are really looking forward to th- this movie. So I think they'll find a fine time, and you, you want to be sure to stay through the credits because there's a, a stinger about halfway through. That gives you a little peek about what might be coming next if this one is a big enough hit to get a next. But other than that, again, as far as video game movies go, somehow this is one of the better ones, which (laughs) doesn't say a lot for video game movies. But uh, for a family film, I guess you could do worse, and that's Sonic the Hedgehog. Next up is a movie set in the underworld of debt collecting and follows the homegrown hustler Peg Doll, who will do anything to escape Buffalo, New York. It's Buffaloed. Wants to talk about money. That's me, Peg Doll. The maroon suit and nurse shoes may not tell you this, but I'm a hustler. Are you a debt collector? No. <laughs> I mean, not not no, but yes. I mean, not yes. Yes, I am. Why didn't you tell me about this little angel? This is an interesting movie and fun. Uh, Brandon Thomas covered this for us on MadWolf.com, and he thought that it was just kind of a blast. And one of the, re- one of the reasons that it works as well as it does is because Zooey Deutsch is the main character. And as we've said a number of times, she's just great. She really is. I think she is on her way to being a, a, a big star. She really has the charisma. She's got comic timing. She's got great yeah. com- comic timing. She stole Zombieland, too. Yeah, she did. Just stole it. Yeah. And she just has, you know, it's hard to put your finger up on it, but when you say somebody has it, I think she has it. Yeah, I totally agree. And you can see it on display here. She's the lead. She's the main character in the film. And she's she is kind of a kind of a hustler, kind of a con artist trying to get some cash and, you know, uh, kind of make up for, uh, you know, a checkered past. And what she winds up doing is finding herself at odds with a character played by Jai Courtney, who we've never thought had one ounce of talent. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is what this reminds me of. Channing Tatum, I would have said, was a good-looking washout until the first time we saw him in a comedy. And Jai Courtney, it may be the same thing. I've never seen him try to do comedy before, but he's very charismatic and fun in this film. You know, the first one... Remember that one? It was so bad. It was with uh, Vince Vaughn yeah. and Kevin James yeah. about they're in the car business or whatever. And Winona Ryder and Jennifer Connelly were their wives. Yep. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yes, but you're right. He was a, a, a supporting character, Channing Tatum, yep. and he was funny. He was. And we're like, hey. I know. And then he did comedies ever since. And you're like, thank you, because he's great at these. Well, hopefully, Jai Courtney gets a lot more opportunities at Comic Girls because he does a great job in this. And I think part of the fact that it is a pretty well-written, pretty clever, sharp, and indie film with the, with a very much an indie comedy sensibility lets the, freeze them both up a little bit. Yeah, the writer is Brian Saka. The director is Tanya Wexler. 
And once again, like you said, Zoe Deutsch, who, if you didn't know, is Leah Thompson's daughter. Yeah. And once you know that, you can see the resemblance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Big time. But she is she is on the way up. And I like that she's doing, you know, big movies like Zombieland 2, and then she's done. This is not the first of oh, one no. of these smaller, yes. independent movies. So she's making some very interesting choices. I like it. Yeah, well, and this is a great choice for her, too, because, like I said, she gets to be the no-question-about-it-lead and just show how well she can handle that kind of responsibility. Yeah, so it's worth checking out. If you want to uh, read our Brandon Thomas's full review, that is, of course, at madwolf.com. And finally, we have a different kind of romance for Valentine's Day. Three young men with disabilities hit the road with a jaded nurse driver to a brothel in Montreal catering to people with special needs. It's a remake of the acclaimed Belgian film Hasta la Vista. It's Come As You Are. I'm 24 years old. Besides my mouth, about the only other thing that works on my body is my junk. I need to know what sex is going to be like for me. What if I told you there was a place for guys like us to get seriously laid? It's... This guy told me about a place up in Montreal that caters to people like us. Welcome to the Chateau Barnaby. Go as you are. If we're going to do this, let's do it. I could use a field trip. It's like a road trip. To our road trip. No, 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 no. To our pilgrimage. And to the bevy of beauties awaiting us at Le Chateau Paradis. To our boners! Okay, so on the other end of this spectrum of American remakes of foreign language films, this is one that I think you'll enjoy. You know, it's very clever, it's raunchy enough, it's bitter enough, but it's also really very tender and human and sweet. The performances are great. Kat McAlpine did this review for us, so if you want to read the full review, you're going to check that out at madwolf.com. But it has a very clear eye about the way to handle comedy in this particular situation. And I believe... It may be loosely based on a true story. I'm not sure. I think that's what I read. Uh, don't don't sue me if I'm wrong about that. But you know, <laughs> the other one that reminded me of. You remember back in the the movie The Sure Thing? Remember that back in the day? Yes. It kind it kind of has. It's not. A, it was wasn't a brothel, but remember he was traveling because. Oh yeah. Yes, it's the same thing here. They they have a goal. Yep. That they want to meet. That's right. And uh, they're pretty sure they can get it. <laughs> um, and, and they have to hire a driver, yeah. and they're so embarrassed when she shows up and she's a woman. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, Gabrielle Sebade. Yeah. So, so it's nice to see her again. It is, and then yeah. also Janine Garofalo has a role as an overprotective mother. Yeah. So the whole supporting cast is great, but it's just and the 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 awkward comedy. As they're trying to get there, I mean, not even just once they're there. It's, it's just, and it's quite a payoff. It's it's a really charming, unusual choice for Valentine's Day, but it's the choice we would recommend. <laughs> yeah, so that is uh, in more limited release, but if it's in your area, it might be worth checking out. Come as you are. And that takes us to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Got a big one coming out on home video this week. The Oscar-nominated Ford versus Ferrari. And it's one that we really enjoyed. We probably would not have had it in our Oscar-nominated Best Picture uh, choices this year. But it's still solid. It's very good, actually, because it's a movie I had zero interest in seeing. Zero. And I was I was completely entranced the entire film. Performances, of course, great. But the whole thing, the way they balance the the race car driving with kind of the, the you know, wheeling and dealing and the character-driven par- parts, I just thought it was great. Yeah, good performances, of course. Christian Bale and Matt yeah. Damon. Director James Mangold. Yeah, very solid. Definitely, definitely uh, one of the better movies of last year, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Also out a crazy, crazy comedy called Greener Grass. This is uh, a 
full-length feature of a project, a short, done a few years ago by Jocelyn DeBoer and Don Luby. And they are the writers, the co-writers and co-directors. And it is just, it's so hard to describe. It's just a absurdist suburban hellscape about these pastel-wearing people that live in this suburbia and worry about keeping up with the Joneses. And it's a type of movie where the comedy comes from one woman saying she's pregnant just because she gets a soccer ball and puts it in her shirt and and then has the baby and it's a soccer ball. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of humor. And it doesn't all land. I mean, you have to be in tune with this type of humor. Some of it was, was just kind of laid there for me, but other some of the bits really had me laughing uproariously. So uh, it might be worth checking out because I can really see this movie, especially now that it's on home video, becoming a cult favorite. Sure. You could be quoting it. Some of the lines are just are just crazy. And but they keep it they just it's one of those deals where if you hear a joke two or three times in a row, it's like, all right, let it go. But if you hear it fifteen <laughs> times in a row, it becomes funny. It just wears for the on fact you. that it you does. won't you you're so committed to it. That's the deal here. They are so committed to this and they keep it so desert dry about poking fun at suburbia that it, it it did. It got to me and I thought it was pretty funny in lots of lots of areas and that is greener grass and also one of our favorites from last year, In Fabric is out on DVD. Talk about weird. So if you're looking for weird, well the DVD situation as you covered this week, this movie is an absurdist, surreal horror about a red dress that'll kill you. <laughs> and uh, and one of the reasons it works, and it does work, is because the performances are so committed and so believable and tender yeah. that all of the wild, bizarre antics, and it is bizarre what's going on. And the longer you watch the movie, the weirder everything gets. But it all works out mainly because of the performances. Yeah, and it's got to have the world's weirdest sales lady. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how many stores you've been in. This is a weird sales lady. And the way that it, the way that it, it almost like recycles perfume ad speak from the <laughs> yeah. '80s, like yeah. obsession cologne ad yeah. speak from the '80s. It's just brilliant. Yeah, very cool in fabric. Looking ahead to next week, we've got Harrison Ford and some CGI dogs and animals. Call of the Wild comes out next week. Also, Emma, the latest uh, realization of a classic Jane Austen work. Uh, the Assistant, which I know kind of a little bit about. I don't yes. know. It's kind of a gut punch, but a good one. Uh, yep. Brahms, The Boy 2. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe The Boy made enough money to yeah. merit a sequel. I'm slain by this. Yeah. Well, but we'll, we'll find, see it. Yeah, we'll find, <laughs> yes, yes, we will. And we'll talk about that <laughs> and more next week. In the meantime, let us know what you thought about uh, any of these. Maybe if you have seen Force Majeure, comparing it to Downhill, what do you think? Or if you're a Sonic fan or want some romance with the photograph, let us know what you thought. Always easy to keep the conversation going. You can find us on Twitter. We're at MadWolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's MadWolfColumbus. And the main website, of course, all the fun stuff, all the other written reviews, and our horror movie-only podcast, Fright Club. You can find that at MadWolf.com. I apologize for my stuffy nose. I hope it wasn't too bad this week. No. Trying to get rid of this head cold. Come on. I went through an entire box of tissues yesterday. He did. A whole box. He did. That's true. Jeez Louise. But uh, it's the weather. Pick one. Pick one or the other. Cold right. or spring. Let's go. Anyway, keep in touch if you can. Hopefully, I'll have it all gone by next week. And we always appreciate you stopping by the screening room. Do us a favor, especially because George is sick. <laughs> if you would subscribe, rate, the and review. The pity re- vote. That's right. Subscribe, We're rate, and review. <laughs> <laughs> so until then, until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wall. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but... 
I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.